0: I think it's a setup to provide more. But see, a lot of us haven't assigned that meaning to our lives. See, if you assign that meaning, when God asks you for the 50 that you was going to take to go out to eat, you won't get discouraged by the fact that you won't be going out to eat. You'll be excited before, because you'll understand that God asking me for this only is provision for many more to come. So you giving up one meal gives you access to, Rich said, many meals. Mm-hmm. But see, your stomach, God, is so big that we talk about little kids, and how, like I talked to Jerome about all the time about money. Why are you going to spend take savings? You got $10 saved up. That's a problem already when you're 14, $10 saved up. But you're going to take your $10 and go to a dance and then have nothing? That's not good financial management, son. But then as grown folks, that's this conversation we have with them. Say, neighbor, neighbor. Practice, what you practice what you preach. Because it's easy to tell people what to do, but you won't even give up the meal to go ahead. Because everybody in this room, if you say, everybody don't have to do it, that's the other thing. Don't be looking at other people's money. Because just because other people live a certain way don't mean you get to. I, I can talk to myself. I-, I remember charging lots of things on credit cards to appear one way, just to appear. Why? Because I want it to look like, I mean, hey, Sertrick was going out to eat. I want to go, too. I mean, we all say, right, God love us all. God, I believe you're going to pay this Citibank bill off instead of just hearing God and not charging. So here's the thing. Partners have to be disciplined. Because if you're not disciplined, Even though you may be a partner, you have nothing to give. And even though you don't want to be a member, you become one. Because whenever a partner stops reciprocating, they have now become a member. Now, he who provides seed for the sower and bread for the food will provide and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness, which shows itself in act of goodness, kindness, and love. You will be enriched in every way. I I like that. You will be enriched in every way, so that you may do what? Be generous. And this generosity administered through us is producing thanksgiving to God. In other words, when I give, every time God has for me to give, He's going to always make sure I have more than enough to give the next time. And I, I get that in many different ways. Because the Bible says you'll be enriched in every way. How many of you guys God has spoken to you about several different things you could be doing right now to get well? You don't just got to do one. Now, you're only limited to the capacity in which you allow the Holy Ghost to work. So if you allow yourself to be Truly, I guess transparent or clear enough to allow the, all of God to re, re, reverberate or resonate. resonate. There we go. English got gotcha. you. See, me. that's my partner yeah. right there. I was math and science, baby. So I got English right here in front of me. So, so, so I got all the light shining through me, gives me the ability to do everything God wants me to do. The more of your flesh that you surrender and that you kill, the more God that can show up. And your number one, well, not your number one partner, but one of your partners is your spouse. Hear your spouse, even if you don't like it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep going. All right. 1 Corinthians 9, 10, 11. God loves and will not go without a cheerful, prompt-to-do giver. So what you should be saying, God won't do without me. Because that, that is me, cheerful, prompt to do. Anytime he wanted, I got you, God. Why? Because that's the partnership. You don't own it anyway. God's nice enough just to let you use it. And he wants to know how much of a good steward would Jimmy be with X. And when Jimmy shows himself good at X, he'll make X Z. Jimmy shows himself good at 10,000. He's like, man, I, Jimmy did that. I'm good at brother 10, 100 next time. Let's see what he can do with that. Because God's system is all about growth. Mm-hmm. He never intended for you to make the same amount of money for five, six, seven years. Wow. And that little $1,000 step ain't nothing. Nothing, nothing. ain't nothing. You should be at you should, you should right now already tell your, I mean, well, if you're bold enough. I told my supervisor what I wanted to make. At this date, I need to make this. And he know if it don't get there, then he know what happens. But because I'm excellent in what I do, he got a choice to make. But see, we are not willing to negotiate what we are worth because number one, we don't know it. And number two, we're scared because we've been comparing ourselves to the system. Well, they got a table. Uh, and that's that's partnership. Because Pastor Edwin taught me that. I would have never thought that in education. You got this table. It tells you you got a master. You go over here. It tells you you've been doing this, and that's the box you get. But it's amazing when you're good at what you do. How people will change rules and do everything they need to do to keep you. But you got to demand your value. If you don't know it, ask somebody. Find out what you're worth, and don't sell yourself short. Because here's the thing, if I say I'm going to quit and now you're going to offer me what I needed, you knew I needed that before I was going to leave. So deuces to you anyway because you didn't value me. Because you got to understand that an employment is a marriage. And i got to make sure it's a good fit for both of us. And I don't need you to survive because I'm partnered with the, the, the true supplier. Okay? I'm partner with the supplier. So at the end of the day, but I'm also financially intelligent. And when God is telling me to save this, I save this. So if I want to walk away, I'm not concerned. Because I can live some months without having an income. But see, because you're so focused on spending, you're not setting up your future to make decisions that are the best for you and your family. Because some of your job's stressing y'all out, and that's why your marriage is bad. That's why your kid's acting out. They ain't getting your attention. All right? You're too tired to have sex. Because by the time you get home, you have worked so much stuff up through your head. When you stop, your conversations is about work. Your your time spent. Because think about what you thought about through the week. Was it your spouse and your family or was it your job? Because you got to understand the commitment that partnership requires. Because I would rather you not become a partner than become a partner and not do it right. their possessions, no one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to each person's need. You cannot partner out of your flesh. You must access the Holy Spirit and believe. We, a lot of people read 32 through 35, but here you got to understand, they couldn't have done that without the Holy Ghost. You can't partner unless you're operating in faith. Because I ain't selling nothing I have out of my flesh for somebody else. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. Because April and Aiden, why would I go sell my house for you? You ain't doing right anyway we cool, but when you are a partner and you believe God and he says sell it, then it's a done deal. Because if I give up one house, oh, on. I get many more. I remember being in college throwing one car, and I'm saying, and, and, and God brought, and we brought two. And I was like, and we had payments on it. And I was like, God, this ain't for me. Because the one thing I wanted to do in life, I want to live debt free. And so that's one thing that April and I have been working on. And so I said, God, I want out of these car payments. And God said, what are you willing to do? So in a matter of a year, I got a new job. I started driving a bus. And then two years now, five, probably four years, we haven't had a car payment. But here's the thing. I don't go out and buy another. I don't go and chain myself into another system. Now I have more to offer. See, here's the thing. Financial increase is about self-control. It ain't about the money. It's about self-control. And when you learn how to control you, which is access through the Holy Spirit, because you can't control you. God can. But God needs your permission. Because God would just, Control, hey baby, if God would just control you, then we wouldn't be in the situations we were in now. Some of us wouldn't have done the things we did last week. Hey, hey. All right, so it's about self-control. Say, I operate, I operate. In, the spirit, in the spirit and not in my flesh. Because flesh. flesh is only, y'all probably can't see it, flesh is only capable of looking out for self. All flesh is concerned about is self. That's how you know in your relationships when you not spend enough time with God. When you become so self-consumed with what you need, how you feeling, all this stuff. Every situation is about what the other spirit is. Always looking at opportunities to Always looking at opportunities to fight. So your spirit man is never going to tell you to attack the other person. Your spirit man is always gonna tell you to rescue them. Mm -hmm. Figure out a way to save them. Apologize when it's not even your fault. That's what your spirit man will tell you. Partnership is not selfish. This little picture says it all. And I I like this guy right here. that guy right there, he like I'm all in. It doesn't matter how inconvenient It may cause me. It doesn't matter how much it stretches me. It doesn't matter what I have to give. My brother needs help, so I'm there. And then they pulling them. And and that's what FOC partnership looks like. That's what it looks like. You'll never be down by yourself. You'll never have a fight you got to fight by yourself. You'll never have a situation that you have to pray about by yourself. You won't ever be believing something that you got to believe for by yourself. Because when you partner with us, you get all of that. You get prayed for every day. You, we in the trenches with you. When you hurt, we hurt. But we don't hurt long. Because the enemy doesn't have grounds up in this camp. We run him off. He's not welcome, but see, as a partner, that's the importance of making confessions because we have camps all over this state, and so we ain't everywhere, and so you do got to do some due diligence for your own camp, okay? Because when you take care of your own camp, you give the ministry the opportunity to take care of camps outside of ours, which is going out into the community, which is one of our beliefs. It's to unify communities. But it's hard to unify what's outside of here when everything's in here is broken. So thank God for healthy partners. All right, so partnership strengthens you. Let's go to Ecclesiastes. It's up there. Oh, that projector is not great. All right, two are better than one because they have a more satisfying return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. Isolation is a surefire way to destruction. You will not prosper being isolated. Even God himself, was, I mean Jesus, he wasn't isolated. But so many times the enemy makes us think that our problem is so big we can't share. It's so shameful people are going to look at you this, this, this way, and that your, your financial situation, you don't need to let nobody else count your money. And he make you think, he make you mentally assent to this point where you feel like you can do it on your own. It's pride. And it goes before what? The fall. The fall. So when you get to a point where you're not big enough for help, that's when you can be rescued. Because some of us think we're too big. We don't need the training wheels on the bike anymore. And you may not need training wheels when it comes to eating, but when it comes to your money, you don't even need to be on a bike. But what we have to understand is, where am I good and where do I need help? That's all I'm saying. Where am I good and where do I need help? Because if you had math issues, I mean, I can ride that bike with no hands. All right? But if you ask me to write a paper, I can do that one. But it may not be edited right. That's why I call Kenosha, And she butchers it. And then she sends it back and re Say, growth, growth. is a process. a process. You won't be the best partner overnight, but you can be better than you was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. You won't be the best spouse overnight, but you can be better than you were yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Your kids may not be the most obedient, but every day you better demand better out of them. Because this is the one thing about kids. They will rise to the expectation of those that hold them accountable. So if you got low expectations, you're going to develop some small bucket-look disobedient kids who amounts to nothing but being a parasite in our economy. All right? That's what happens. And then, because the issue that we have now is that we have a bunch of people in our world who have not been demanded to grow up, and now they're having kids, and they're not being demanded to grow up. And we, So we have a generation of lazy kids who feel like we owe them something. They're ungrateful, entitled kids. But the problem is they're not of kids' age. They're 30 and 40, some of them. So what you can do is this. God has the ability to stretch a bucket. God has has the ability to give give your child, let's say you adopted a child, all right, or a kid in your family. God has the ability to stretch them, but you got to demand and hold them accountable. Accountability is not easy, but it's required because as a partner, If Richard know I'm trying to lose weight and eat right, he can't let me go to Rue Chris or where we go eat and then sit down and eat four rows because then he's not been an effective partner. Partnership requires your voice. All right, partnership requires you. You know, Jimmy, a good partner. He checked you, checked you. Like, let me make sure everything is right. Hey. But here's the thing, if I'm going to be a partner, I have to be willing to accept constructive criticism. Partners can't wear their feelings on their sleeves. And part of us, we haven't grown professionally because we don't want anybody to tell us how we can improve. If your supervisor haven't told you how you're doing, you should ask them. You don't got to wait for an evaluation. Who does that? If you want to be better, Ask where you can be better. But see, the problem is you don't want to be evaluated because you don't want to know the truth about who you are. My God. But see, when you tell yourself the truth, you can change. And, and change ain't change till the person who told you to change accepts that. So if April said that I am not hugging her enough, the fact that I hug her six times a day and I feel like that's enough until she says it's enough, it ain't change. We wanted to find change based off our own selfish or our own perspective. Change isn't change until the person who asks you to change accepts it. So if you're married, you've got to understand that if somebody asks you to do something, it is not done until they put their stamp of approval on it, being done the way they asked. But see, we don't want to ask our spouse, are we, how many times? When was the last time you asked your spouse, baby, what can I do better? And they gave you something that you could do better on, and then you came back and said, am I fulfilling the desires of which you had? Why? All right. Why? Because we don't want to do that. But true partnership is always looking for opportunities to grow. That's what partnership looks like. I want to grow. Let me find somebody who can help me grow, and then let them hold me accountable to the growth. All right, we didn't finish that. It said, again, if two lie down together, then they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Single people, this is not an excuse to lay up. All right? So if you're single, you stay single, but you're not alone. That's a whole nother message in itself. All right? Just because you're single don't mean you're alone. You got the Holy Spirit. You got partners. You got family. You're not alone. That's the enemy telling you you need somebody. You don't need anybody but God. Now, he'll bless you with a man that'll find you. Don't you go out looking for him, woman. You weren't designed to go find it. You're precious. It finds you. People... Because let me show you what pressures look like. When the lottery was a billion dollars, everybody went out seeking to find a way to win it. They took savings. They took everything. They, they made the time to leave their jobs or pick their kids up late for daycare or whatever they had to do to participate in an opportunity to win. But this dude won't spend nothing on you. This dude don't call you. I don't need to finish. You already know. If you press, but the problem is, it goes back. You don't know who you are in Christ, because if you knew who you are, you knew how valued you will be, and you knew what you could accept for your value, and then you're only partner with like kind because you're out there unequally yoked because you dating a bunch of thug hoes. And that's what you're doing. But you only attract what is, the law of attraction is always at work. Because there is something, if all you attract are those type of guys, is because internally, there is, the thermostat has been set at thug hoes. And until you allow God to change that, to godly man, you are always attract what's on the inside. So the issue's not the man, the issue you. But the problem is you ain't looked at you. Because growth is all about being eternal and self-reflective. And so to be an effective partner, you have to do that. So, partnership, see, it goes all over. I mean, relationships, church, God, it's everywhere. Partnership brings grace for access. Say, I have access Access. to everything everything. I need. need. There is not a provision that you need that has not already been supplied. Philippians 1 verses 1 through 7. Paul and Timmy, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for, all, for you all making requests of joy. For your fellowship, that word fellowship in the Greek means partnership, in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident in this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is met me, meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, You all are partakers of my grace. Now, you don't know the shout there, but you should. Because what God, what what he was trying to tell them is that every ounce of anointing that's on my life, everything I am and everything God has given me because you're a partner with me, you now have access to it. See, some of us are not wanting to lose weight because we don't have the, 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 the self-control, the willpower, but Jimmy does. And because I am now partner with Jimmy, I can tap into his grace for my life to access everything I need to change. But you have to be willing to participate. You have all grace. It says, as partners, you tap into the grace of all other partners. Become a transformer through the anointing of God's ability. So when you have all all graces, it's unmerited favor. It's God saying, I have you. I got your back. Because here's the thing. When I first came to this ministry in 2001, I didn't even understand. I grew up Baptist. I didn't know what partners. I knew what membership looked like. It was sketchy. All right, everybody from the deacon to everybody. I mean, I'm out walking the streets at 11:30, and I see my deacon over there. At his car parked at somebody's house too. I mean, hey, that, thats how it went in small town Arkansas. Okay. And so the accountability—it—it it really wasn't. It really wasn't there. And so, but as I grew and I got partnered with a ministry. God began to tell me that he was like, Pastor Evan, Pastor Sean, they they're your parents. I'm like, huh? I got one set of parents. And that's all I knew. And I didn't know what that meant. But I rode with it because at that point, if I needed change. I had I had to get out of my environment because it was broken. And I needed something else. And God said, they're your parents. I said, okay, I'll roll with it. I think I I'm not sure if I told mom or dad that. And at that point, we didn't even know anything about sonship. It was weird. They thought I was weird. I mean, it was weird. But God was establishing something. And so all I did, God said sweep the flow, I will sweep the flow. God said do this, I would do this. Whatever it required, I did it because I knew I was called to something. No no, uh, revelation of partnership. All I knew is that this, in order to receive there's something that has to be sown, And so and the more I sow, the more I changed. And see, a lot of times you focus so much on changing your own life, but change often, the harvest that you're looking for can come through a seed that you sow. But you focus so much on the change of your own life, that's all you focused on. You lose track of the sowing that's required. And sometimes it's a financial seed, sometimes it's a time seed, Sometimes it's a relational seed. Sometimes it's an emotional seed. Sometimes it's just hugging somebody that God tells you to hug. But when you focus on yourself all the time, you can't sow. Therefore, you cut off harvest. So as a partner, then, then I didn't understand I knew the need to sow. So we just kept going. Pastor Evan Pastor and they'll say, hey, Ralph, I need such and such. My only answer ever was yes. How many, I can't count the times they asked me to do something. I mean, the first time we had to build and come, they asked me to build a wall. Could you build a wall? Yeah. That was my answer. Never built a wall in my life. But here's the thing, as a partner, you got to understand. When your man or woman of God asks you to do something, if your answer is yes, grace is sufficient. Your man and woman of God can never ask you to do something that is not already in you to be done. The same way God can. not Now, when I'm saying man and woman of God, if you don't go to church here, you got to make sure you connect it to your right house. Because everybody ain't called to be here. But some people are. And if you are, that's your voice. But, But the same way, God will never ask of you any... How unfair would that be of me as a father to ask Aiden, my two-year-old son, to go out and get a job to help provide for the family? And then hold him accountable and punish him for not doing it. He doesn't have what it takes to produce that. And because God is a better father than us, he would never ask you to do anything that you're not capable of already doing. In fact, In heaven, whatever he's asking you to do has already been completed. He's just asking you to retrace his steps that have already paved out for you. Our plan for our life is like walking through the Amazon jungle on a paved uh, pathway. Though it may be disastrous, it may be crazy, it may be all, God has paved your way through everything. You're like corporate America, how am I ever going to own this business? how am I ever going to get out of this this race? Your path is path. your path have already has already been paved. <laughs> the question is, but our crazy self sometimes sometimes we're just crazy crazy. you know you're stupid, you know the right thing to do we I don't mean to' co- I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. you know the right thing to do and choose not to that's stupidity okay so what you do is that you got a path paved. You choose to run through the jungle and wonder why you're getting bit by snakes. Wonder why you're getting attacked by a lion. Well, the lion ain't necessarily in the jump Amazon. But you wonder why you're being attacked. Provision is where God has called you to land. Because that scripture, he said, in that season, he sold in that land and he received a hundredfold increase. Why? Because he sold where God told him to stay. The problem is, corporate America may not be where God called you to stay. Your job, I remember something we had, and we can just bring it back. I'm sure pastors don't mind. Everybody in this ministry should be making $40,000 or more, at minimum. That is the least. That don't even really get you out of poverty. You can't even have a, a house and a decent car payment. Now, you can believe God to pay all that stuff off, but, I mean, you can't even live good, good for $40,000. You can just live. That's all you get for forty dollars Because you're only going to bring home, right. You ain't going to bring home all that. So, everybody, college kids, you ain't excluded. Just because you're in college doesn't mean you can't make money. Because here's the great thing about partnership. Any word that comes across this pulpit, you are entitled to it because it's partnership. It's working for you even though you don't think it's working. Because when we're praying and saying, I thank you, God, that right now that every FOC partner makes a minimum of $40,000. I thank you that every partner who is good at their job at least makes double their age. And if they're great at it, triples their age. God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus That's so. If you're good at your job, you should double your age. And if you're great at it, then you should be making triple your age. It's not okay to be broke. It's not. That whole thing about just going humbly to God and just live, nobody does. Nobody want to do that. I don't want to love a God that only lets me have bare minimal. I don't even treat my family like that. And God is supposed to be a better father than I am. So look at your own life. Look, husbands, if you're a good husband, and if you're not, we're going to raise you up. Look at how you loved your family. If you, just yesterday, April wanted something. She'd been talking about a ring for a long time. And they had this jury show, and and we was in there, and she wanted the, the ring. And so my thing is, get it. She was looking for me just to approve it. Like, you like it, baby? It's it's cool. Because my thing is this. My heart is always to do what pleases her. And as long as I put myself in a financial position to provide that, which goes back to the planning and self-control, because God already put himself in a position to always provide for us. So as men, a good man will always make provision to provide for his family. Not just their needs, not just their wants, but their full desires. And if anybody in the house got to work the hardest, it better be the man. If anybody in the house got to work the hardest, it better be the man. And if a woman in this house, yeah, oh, oh yeah, in this house, yeah. That, that, that goes without saying, but I'll say it. In, the, in FOC, men always work hard. Now, we don't believe in toiling and all that, but when it comes down to something getting done, men better be on the front. And that's what I like about these guys. These guys do that. But as we got more guys coming in, we're going to have to teach them how to be that way. All right. What time, how much time? We, where we at? We have One hour? Alright, we we I think hold on. I we I already asked dad for more than one week, so we're good. All right. So results of Peter partnering with God. So let's talk about so Peter, Peter partnered with God. Y'all remember Peter had uh fished all night and, and God was Jesus coming out to talk, he like cast out to the deep, and he preached from the ship and and then Jesus said, hey, uh, let out your nets. And Peter's like, well, God, we, we fished already. And, God, and But he's like, okay, anyway, i do it because you said so. And then when he did it, what he didn't realize, he formed a partnership. Because what do we talk about? Partnership is action. Anytime you are obedient to God, you have formed a partnership. That's why God talks about obedience being so important. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. That's what the word says. Really what he's saying is, if you love me, you a partner with me. Obedience is simply partnership acted out. It isn't to take anything away from you. It is only to reciprocate what God has for you to you. So God says, if you love me, you will partner with me. In other words, you will act out on what I said to you so that I can give what I have for you to you. But I can't give what I have to you to you unless you act out on what I said. But it's assigning a new meaning to what obedience is. It's just me acting out my partnership. So Peter did this, and then the moment Peter partnered with God, he got abundant. Look at your neighbor say, neighbor, neighbor. it won't take all year. It won't take all year. It'll, take It'll take a moment. The moment you decide that enough is enough, the moment you decide that I've had, I, I won't take another broke day in my life. Because change doesn't happen on the outside first. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a feeling. Well, it's a thought that produces a feeling that produces emotions. Those emotions cause you to act. Those constant actions create habits that changes your entire character, and therefore your life, your generation is different. Mm-hmm. Aiden will never know divorce. Aiden will never know poverty. Aiden will never know rent-hopping. Yeah. Aiden will never yeah. know what it means yeah. to live by week to week. Aiden will, my, my best will be the least he ever experienced. Yeah, Aiden will have his daddy and his mama buy his first house. Yeah. Aiden won't have to apply for scholarships if he doesn't want to. But he will, because we're good financial stewards. Why would you do all that work in high school and not apply and get what's free to you and what's owed? And the question is, because let's talk about reciprocity again. Time out. Let's go back to the family. Everybody can give on their level. If you a teenager in my house, your level is to go to school, make good grades, come home and contribute, clean the house, do the dishes, and then you get the best daddy got to offer. And then the team works because I don't mind going to work every day, making the money, as long as when I come home, you make the grade. You make a clean room. You make a clean house because that's what it looks like when everybody gives on their level. You need to hold your kids accountable to doing something. It's not, I don't care if they want at one, what can I hold them accountable to? When I go to daycare in a room nasty, ain't cleaning clean that room before we leave. Right. And then it's amazing how what you require of your kid spreads the whole, the lady like, how you make them do that? Well, because you didn't, first of all. <laughs> but second of all, because mine know better. And when daddy walks in the room, the entire atmosphere's changed. Expectations change, because he know we don't go for that. And, then, and that's how you change generations, because your kid, is a light to everybody in their class. So all you doing is holding yours accountable, and now you got classrooms change, you got teams change, you got schools change. but it all starts with one. Think about it. Each one, reach one. We had that slogan. We're going to start in-house. Each one of us hold another one accountable to growing up, and we all grown. We all eating at the big table, steak and potatoes and greens. No bread because too many carbs. Sweet potato, half of it, no mashed with butter. All right. <laughs> no, no, we ain't getting a pie. But we grown folks. And then we go in and we go out and honor God, build people, and unify communities. We can do it without trying to take care of all of us at the same time because we grown. There's a different level of responsibility when you got all adults in the room than when you have kids. Because y'all notice when Aiden in the room, everybody by now knows they better keep an eye on him because he's about to bounce the moment one of his parents ain't looking. But because we partner, when he just ran opposite and go, all eyes was looking for Aiden. Why? Because in partnership, responsibility changed by the people in the room. So if we all grown in the room, we ain't having to always look at each other to be, what is Angel doing? What is April doing? What is Nietzsche doing? It's like, how can we take care of this visitor that's here today? God, what are their needs so that we can ensure that they get everything spiritually that they came for? But that's hard to do when your marriage is broken or your kids are broken. So we need to take care of our own house. All right, we're gonna end. I guess we're gonna end now because it ain't working. Caleb, go. To, I love go to Caleb. Caleb, turn screen off and go to John 21 verses 1 through 9, and we'll end there. I think oh, I got my Bible. And we we'll come back next week and we'll talk a little more about because we didn't even get we didn't even talk about the benefits really, but the other part that we're really going to have to get is the understanding the role of the pastor in your life. And because pastors are, and it's in there, but we'll get to it next. Can you get John 21 verses, what did I tell you, 9? 1 through 9. I'm going to read out of this for the sake of time. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to disciples. Because as I was reading this, I need to make it clear. This isn't the time when Jesus showed up to Peter. Uh, and then afterwards, they came with Jesus and became disciples. This is after Jesus had died and they came back, okay? It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples in the sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There was together Simon, Peter, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and the two other of his disciples. You can keep going. Simon Peter said unto him, I go a-fishing. <laughs> they said unto him, no, that's really what it says, a-fishing. It really does say that. <laughs> they said unto him, we also go with thee. They went for, see, that'll help you right there. Peter said, I'm going fishing. And because he had partners, not one go, we all go. When Jimmy go out and he say he leave his job and he got his plan, Jimmy ain't doing that. We doing that. We coming off our job, we waking up, going and working out, and after I work out, I come home, I get my download time. Ain't that right, Jimmy? I work for a couple hours, I go to my second workout. I come back home, I get some more download time, and then I go pick up my son from daycare. Is that, is that about right? Why? Because that's not just Jimmy's vision, that's mine. Because as a partner, everything you do is what I do. Our visions our one vision, to teach people how to walk in love, how to live by faith, and how to experience God's prosperity in every area of their life. We have all been called to different kingdoms. Dominate. Dominate your kingdom. You don't got to be the best at everything. You got to be at best at what God's called you to do. Dominate your kingdom. The first kingdom you got is your house. And I'm not going to get away from that one. You got to dominate your house. The kings we know that can't control themselves have all come to ruin. So be a man or woman that dominates your own house. So verse 4, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Verse 5, then Jesus said to him, children, have you any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitudes of fishes. You, you wouldn't have liked the people who wrote the Bible notions. They, they messing up. A fishing and fishes? <laughs> therefore, the disciples whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard, I like Simon. Look what Simon did. Simon, when he heard it, it was the Lord. Now, they out fishing, y'all. That, they ain't by the bank. It said they're 100 yards off. It says, now, when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he girt his fish's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself where? And the other disciples came. And, Peter said, I don't got time to do what y'all doing. He says I got to get to provision. Because they had been out fishing again and didn't catch anything until God said, throw it back out. Here's the word for you that Pastor John already gave for you, gave you already. Go do it again. Go do it again. They had fished all night. Didn't get anything. And God said, throw it out again. And when they threw it out, but then when you throw it out again, be like Peter. Don't waste any time. Don't confer with flesh and blood. Don't look for other people's opinions because you already know it's God. Chase after him. Amen. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fishes. Verse 9. As soon then as they were come to the land, they saw a fire. They were come to, They saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid there on and bread. Now, then Jesus asked them. If they, this is breakfast time, by the way. Then Jesus asked them if they had something to eat. Then they say no. Nah. Then Jesus t- told them to throw the nets over. Then Peter said, "Hold up, I'm naked. Let me throw on a coat, jump in the sea, and go swim to Jesus. I'm just trying to make sure this brother must put fish in his pocket." Because by the time he got to Jesus, he was already preparing a meal. Look at it. As soon as they were come to the land, that's the people in the boat. What was already happening? They was cooking. Jesus and Peter were already on the beach eating. You don't got time to wait on everybody else, even if that's people in FOC. You got to go after God all by yourself. And if people come with you, they come with you. But if they don't, I'm going to be eating eating with the Lord. Because here's the thing about this. No man comes to God believing and doesn't receive. Peter knew if I could just make it to God, he didn't care what was in the water. All he needed was God. So for your life right now, if you can just make it to God, If you can just get, your only focus needs to be God. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the marriage. Don't worry about the kids. Your only focus needs to be getting to God. And it's not how much I love God. Don't worry about how much you love God. Focus on how much he loves you. Because it is the love of God that draws man into repentance. God's love for you will change your heart towards your spouse. God's love for you would change your identity when it comes to food. God's love for you would change your self control when it comes to spending. God's love is the answer to everything you need. Because as long as I'm in the presence of God, I have all need met. Because nobody can come to God and don't get what they're looking for. So as a partner, you got to be a person that operates in faith. And that's the, I mean, and. Our slides are down. We'll pick up next week. I'm telling you, I, I can't even, can even sleep. Well, God wants to do so much for us. Amen, amen. We are not ordinary. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a remnant of people who have been called by God to change this area, this state, and the nation.